Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Now today we're going to the 19th chapter of John and I uh, want you to listen very, very carefully. This message certainly is directed at our mothers in particular, but it's also addressed to all of us in general. I'm going to speak on this, on, uh, this topic, why did God choose Mary to be the mother of his only son? Why did God choose Mary? Now, as I bring you this message, I realize there are many of you here that believe that Mary is a saint or that she was sinless or that she was part of the Godhead or uh, is an intermediator to the Father. And I personally do not understand the Bible to teach that. But be it as it, as it may, what I do want you to understand is that Mary was a very unique woman, highly chosen by God, one that... All mothers are special, but she was chosen, and I've often wondered why her. She was young. Uh, most Bible scholars say in her middle teens, and uh, God just, all the women, and he had chosen that, that, that he would send his son into this world uh, in a miraculous way, that this one would be pure, she would be a virgin. And that she would know no man until that baby was born. And he settles on Mary. I think we can pick up some things in her story in the Bible that help us understand why he made this choice. The, the process by which God makes a choice like this uh, is somewhat similar to the way we ought to make a choice. We ought to look at things and, and see the big picture, not just impulsive, this is what I want, or this is what I want to do, or this is who I'd like to marry, or this is where I'd like to live, or this is what I'd like to do with my life. But there ought to be a lot of things go into our making a decision. No decision more important than this decision when God chooses Mary, who will be the mother of Jesus, who will be the Messiah, who will come to pay for the sins of the world, and that child would be able to live a life without sin, then lay his life down and be crucified for sin, and then through the Holy Spirit be able to pass that uh, sin paid, uh, that the penalty for sin having been paid for, he could pass that down to whoever would call upon him. So our text today is John 19, and you might want to keep your Bible open in that area. I'm also going to use a little bit of the book of Luke. But I'm going to read to you three verses. John chapter 19, verses 25, 26, and 27. And I'm asking you, out of respect to the Word of God, to just stand here in the auditorium as we read three verses from the inspired and errant and infallible Word of God. We're going to go to the scene of the cross and the crucifixion. Verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. 
When Jesus, therefore, saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he says unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. And then he says, then saith he to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. May God bless the reading of his word. And would you be seated? I think it could be honestly said, and I think history will bear it out, and, and that is that a child that is born to a mother who chooses in her life to disobey God with her life will suffer greatly and have many obstacles to overcome in their lifetime that you would wish that they did not have to overcome. The environment that they may have been born in, the person that might have been the father, the family, whatever it might be. But a child never gets over until they literally come to Jesus and put all of their past under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. They never really escape from that early childbearing or childrearing. But let me also say that a child never gets away from the benediction or the blessing of a good mother. Whenever you look at the life that is around you, you can look from every kind of situation and you will see this going on. I guess the most recent would be if you watched the NFL draft this week. You saw night after night as they were picking the greatest athletes in football, college football, as to which team that they would be on uh, in the draft. If you watch some of that, you will notice for the overwhelming majority of them, the first thing was with the commissioner and the next thing was with their mother. Not their father, but their mother. And they were reading and mom was jumping up and down and hugging and all this kind of stuff and it's very emotional. Now years ago, they, every time they were on television, you know, and the, and the cameras would come down the, the bench in the football games and the, and the big old six foot six, 280 pound lineman, you know, sees that camera on him, he'd go, hi mom, hi mom, hi mom. You remember that? You know, not, hey dad, how you doing? No, always mom. There's something about a mother so special that God's only son came into this world into the womb of a woman that never knew a man. God said, every child has got to have an earthly mom. And I'm going to make that earthly mom in such a way, she's going to be far different from her husband. She's going to be far different from the male gender. She's going to have a different kind of a brain, a different kind of a body, a, a different kind of personality, a different kind of temperament. I mean, there's all, everything's going to be different. But my child needs a mom. So he made a mother, and he chose Mary. I believe he was real careful in who he chose, don't you? I don't think they had a lottery. I don't think they said put up the names of everybody and just whoever's the one, I'm going to draw it out. I don't think so. I think he looked very, very careful because this Jesus 
was certainly one of a kind. Your child is one of a kind. You're one of a kind. But he was even beyond just one of a kind in an earthly sense. He was a one of a kind in a spiritual sense. There was none like him. And it had to be very carefully chosen who would be the one that would carry him. Where would he carry? Where would she carry that baby for nine months? Who would be around her? What kind of environment would be around her? That was all uh, taken into consideration because this child was so unique. There was none like him, none. And it seems to be to me as a man and as a student of the scripture that Joseph, the father, main role seemed to be to support Jesus' mother in that he was not the biological father his role seems to be that he comes alongside Mary to be the buffer, to help her, to encourage her, to lift her up when she was down, and to help her to deal with the issues that she was going to have to deal with, of which we know some, but we do not know all. But we do know of all the ridicule that Jesus, her son, faced, we know all of the people that turned against him. We know how the religious people turned against him. We know how he was tried. We know how he is betrayed, tried, and executed. We know that part. But Mary did not imitate the life of Christ. She participated in the life of Christ. She really was the one through which God would do the miraculous birth process of that little embryo becoming a child. And that child, the only begotten son of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to give you 10 things real quick, and I'll be very brief on each one. Number one, when God chose who he would have, to be the mother, he chose someone that believed in the sanctity of human life. There could not be any doubt in his mind, even though abortion was not a fad. There had to be no doubt in his mind that that one mother was going to understand whatever was conceived here is one of a kind and very special. And that God had it planned out and so Mary knew that she was a mother before the child was ever born. All through the scripture, when you see her dealing with Jesus or Elizabeth with John the Baptist, when those two women would get together, they always talked about their babies. They did not use some kind of scientific jargon that would try to separate from life. But it begins at conception. And so they looked at it very, very carefully. Luke 1, 43 says, And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? That's when Elizabeth is talking to Mary, and she's already calling her a mother, and she's carrying the baby in her womb. The baby has not yet been born, but she is the mother of that child. Secondly, God chose a woman that lived in such a way, now listen to this, that her husband trusted her. You think about what your story would be if you came home and told your husband that you were pregnant and you had not been with a man. Now, now that was quite an event then. 
as well. But God knew that Mary had lived, and by the way, as I said earlier, she was probably 15 or 16 years old. God knew that Mary was the kind of a girl as a teenager and as a child that when Joseph, who probably knew her during those years, knew that the way she lived her life and the way she responded to those of the opposite sex as a young girl was such that if she said it, he knew her well enough to know, I trust her totally. I don't understand at all how she could be pregnant. But he did not. He did not call his attorney. He did not call his friends and say, you're not going to believe this. He trusted her. Now, when you read in, in the 18th verse of Matthew chapter 1 through 20, 25, you read about the birth of Jesus, says on this, it was this way, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with a child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, you son of David, fear not, take unto you Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, you'll call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. Then he goes on to say, and quote, the passage in Isaiah that she is fulfilling the prophecy that you know Joseph from having read the Old Testament. You know her. You know her love for the Word. You know the Word of God. The prophecy is being fulfilled. You accept her. Don't you even doubt one moment that this that has happened is of God and you can trust your wife. One of the great problems today in, in this civilization is that so many people, because of the way they live, and it does not make any difference as to who they live with and how they live that this story would never become a reality because they say, listen, I know you. Why could I trust? I knew you. I knew you before you knew Joseph. I knew how you ran around. I knew how you acted. And one of the most difficult things is when two people come together as husband and wife, if their past has been such of distrust, 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 I've seen you, I heard your story. I know the guy, I know the girl, I know all this kind of stuff. You see, when Mary was picked, Mary was so special that people, that, that God trusted her and knew that Joseph would trust her because he watched her grow up. He watched her as a young girl. He knew that even though I don't understand this, I've never heard of anything like this except I do remember the scripture. I do remember where there was a promise that one would come. In the book, when Isaiah the prophecy began to, to, to share it, and I'm going to trust the word of God. So, Mary is chosen. Joseph trusts her. But there's a third thing that goes right along with this. And that is he chose a woman, listen to me, that associated with godly women. Elizabeth, Mary Magdalene, all of these others were women that knew God, believed in God. They, they, they were, men call it iron sharpening iron, but they were women that cleaved to each other and they would share things together. And they were very personal and private things, but they trusted each other. And these women were godly women. 
There's not anything, not anything that's more important to a mom than to have some other girlfriends that you trust and you love and they love you and they're not in competition with you. You never doubt that they're looking at your husband. You never doubt that they're going to take and, and spread whatever you share with them. They are godly women. They are people that have a quiet spirit and are able to, when you weep, they're going to weep with you. When you rejoice, they're going to rejoice with you. But when you remember Elizabeth and and they came together and Elizabeth gets pregnant and they're talking about their babies and all this kind of stuff. But let me quickly move to number four and I'll tie them together. She also had a very quiet spirit. She ran with right women and she had a quiet spirit. May I give you a word of caution? I don't know. I don't take the Houston Chronicle, but I was on an airplane yesterday and the Chronicle's by my side, so I read it. And uh, I've heard about this. I, don't, I think I've, I may have passed on the dial a program, but there's a program called The View. I hear some of the men are going like this, and the women are going, hmm. Well, I think it's a bunch of women get together, and all the other women watch them, and they talk about all the gossip, and all this kind of stuff comes out. Well, it was just announced yesterday, one of the co-hosts who is pregnant, going to have a baby in just a few months, either announced Friday or she's going to announce Monday that she's getting a divorce. Now, the baby hadn't even been born yet. Now, that's not the kind of people that I would want to listen to for counsel about how to have, have a happy home. When you find out one's pregnant, divorce them. That didn't make any sense to me, okay? But yet, people love to watch that, and sponsors like to sponsor because everybody wants to watch it because that's part of how the stomach turns. It's on television all the time. And, and, and Mary was not in that group. She did not want that kind of a life. She wanted to be around. Maybe she wouldn't have a lot of friends, but the friends she had would weep with her, rejoice with her, whatever. That's the kind of woman that God chose. She had a quiet spirit. Now listen to this. Twice in Luke chapter 2, twice, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. That's verse 19. Then in verse 51, he went down with them. He came to Nazareth, was subject unto them, but his mother kept all these things and sayings in her heart. That's when he went out to the temple. Remember, 12 days in the temple. The part about her being pregnant, she pondered it in her heart. She had a quiet spirit. Now watch it, watch it. She didn't go say, hey, guess what? Just want everybody to know, you know, my kid just ran away. I'm pregnant. I don't know what, I'm going to explain all this kind of stuff. Just wanted y'all to know. She was a very quiet spirit and she knew there was some things she could talk about to everybody, but some things only maybe to a select few and some things only to God. I want to caution all of us, men and women, be careful who your friends are. And be careful about this spirituality when somebody calls you in confidence and you say to them, now you won't, would you keep this confidence? Just pray, oh yes, I will. Because I'm a person of prayer. I believe in prayer. Hang up the phone. Next number, you call one of your friends. Now listen, don't tell anybody about this. But I just talked to so-and-so. And I know you like to pray. And so I'm going to talk to you because I want you to pray for so-and-so because... Five days, it spread like a wildfire. All under spiritual reasons, of course. All I want you to do is pray for them. No. He picked a woman that could get along with God and laugh or weep, talk or be quiet. But she had a quiet spirit. 
She was one that could just be still and know that he is God. Beth this morning was reading her devotional. She told me she's reading about the word despair. She had some comment about it and I was going over my notes and she said, what's despair? What does it mean to be despaired? What does it mean? It's opposed to being still and knowing that he is God. Mary was not a person that worried. She, she understood. I don't know what people are going to say, but you know what? I don't care because I know that what is in me is conceived of the Holy Spirit and I'm going to trust God that it happened the way it did. However, I'm going to trust God to spread the word as he wants to spread the word. And that's the kind of woman that God chose to be the mother of Jesus. Many people like to tell you everything they know. And when they don't know it, they continue to talk and add to the story. Don't look for that kind of friend. Number five, he chose a woman who knew the importance of bringing her kids to, to, the, to the church, to the worship house. Mary, we read it over in Luke chapter 2, verse 22, when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, to God. Uh, worship was the most important thing in her life for her kids. Is it the most important thing in your life? Is it? Is it sports? Is it entertainment? Is it the arts? Is it what all the other kids are doing? What's the most important? Does the house of God get the last off? Nothing else is going on. We, we're going to come to the house of God. It is amazing how we have left God being first in the lives of many of our homes and many of our families. Right or wrong for Jesus and for Mary was determined by God's word. In other words, they wanted to make sure that whatever decision my child makes, that they're reared in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Jesus went to the temple, as was his custom from the time he was a little child. And today, it's been bumped up. You don't have to live, go back very long, but you can roll the clock back less than a half a century. Every baseball game, every basketball game, anything that stood at the same time of church might as well close their doors because the, as for me and my house, we're going to church. That has totally reversed now and the church has become, instead of the first, we are absolutely the last. Everything we do around here, it's always going to be this, going to be that, they're going to do this, going to do that, going to do this, that, that, that. And all of that's more important than whatever we're doing up here. But that was not true with Mary. Jesus, remember when he's 12 years old? Where was he? At the temple. He was associating with right people because she gave him, number six, a freedom to grow up. She put him where good people were and then kind of turned him loose. And you remember he was at the temple and the doctors were there and all the smart people there. He was only 12 years old. But she had put him around right people. There were some boundaries. She knew that he was to stay there. But thinking that you know, they didn't have a tour bus. They'd just get the donkey and head out of town. Everybody knew everybody's going that they'd meet on the trail kind of a deal. That's just the way their custom was. But he didn't show up. But rather than getting too frustrated, they went back and they found him talking to the doctors and the elders in the temple. And he was sharing with them and he was listening to them. 
And it is so important that mothers be careful with choosing the friends of the kids. Not only their own friends, but who their friends will be, be friends with because of the parents that they have and having those children strengthen one another as they grow up together to be whatever God wants them to do. You know, children are incredible. They'll shock you. I don't know if you were here last Wednesday night or not. We had a wonderful time. We had 500 kids up here. Midway, our summer program was coming to an end. This whole stage was filled with 500 kids. The baptistry over there had a little guy named, named Riley was baptized. Let me tell you about Riley. Riley's eight years old. Riley got saved when he was seven years old. Seven. I was seven when I got saved. Riley got saved when he was seven. Well, he didn't know what he's doing. He didn't know what he's doing. Wait a minute. Hold on a minute. Riley got saved. He wanted to be baptized. He'd also read the Bible. Jesus said, after you're saved, you need to be baptized. So every week he'd ask his mom and dad, I want to be baptized. Well, now, wait a minute. We're going to separate a little bit, you know. You're just seven years old, you know, eight years old. So finally he wrote her a letter, and I've got the letter on my desk in my office. And here's what he said. Mom and dad, I want to be baptized. Jesus wants me to be baptized, and I want to be baptized. And either you're going to take me to church and get me baptized, or I'm going to baptize myself in my bathtub. <laughs> Next week, he was right there. <laughs> Better alternative, don't you think? To do it God's way. Let me tell you about little children. Little children, when, they, when God says it, that settles it with a lot of them. They don't, they don't pray about it, think about it, or go home and say, well, I don't want to be, I don't have to be, I'm afraid of getting my hair wet. They want to know, where's the water? That's the way a little child is. Thank God for parents and the grandparents. We all just rejoiced and had a great time. And all the friends saw a little eight-year-old captivated over 1,300 people in this auditorium as he stood and just smiled and smiled and smiled and came and sat right there on that third chair for the program. What a beautiful example but Jesus was that kind of a child. You could trust the child because the child had in him his purpose and knew what it was. And that was to bring people to the Father. And so quickly the last three chose a mother that would accept that which was unexplainable in her child's life. The Bible says she just marveled. She couldn't get over his maturity. Um... She recognized God's call on his life. Let me tell you, Mom and Dad, real quickly. God may call your child into the ministry, often from unlikely situations. If that little child comes to you and says, I feel like God is calling me into ministry, don't brush them off. Some of the greatest stories you'll ever read of, of biographies and autobiographies are kids that came up in homes that had all kinds of problems, but God called that child out and used them for his glory. Like little Riley, God can speak through an eight-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 14-year-old. Oh, you just don't know what you're doing. You come back. You just don't know what you're doing. Well, Mom, Dad, you're older. Why don't you know what you're doing? You know? Trust God. If, if God chose to do it this way, and Mary had this little baby, came in that way with all the gossip that must have gone on. She just trusted him and trusted him and trusted him. But God used that moment to change the world. So if you would just think, 
how important it is. God can call out of your home that boy or that girl for a very unique calling. And then God chose a mother who would realize that he had some wisdom from God that's worthy of being heard. And people listened and they were touched. Let me ask you a question. How many of you ever heard this? Maybe you can finish it with me. Children are to be seen and not who you, th you think that's in the Bible? Wrong. Some uncle that was visiting his nephew probably wrote that. <laughs> Hear me. Some of the greatest words that ever come to us come from our little children. When a little child will lead them, the Bible says. Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for theirs is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. When you look at these little children sometimes as they give their heart to Christ, you wonder what's going on in their life. Let me tell you, when God speaks to a child, there is a communion between the creator of that child and that child. Just there was from Jesus to the heavenly father, I've got to be about my father's business. And many times in my lifetime, I have seen God call out young people before they were 12 years old, many of them in 12 to 15 years old, and their parents went to them and said, that's not what God wants you to be. I want you to be a scientist. I want you to be a doctor. I want you to be a football player. I want you to be a coach. I want you to do this. I don't want you to be a failure and be a minister, you know, or a missionary or something like that. It would be their attitude. You can't make any money doing that. No, listen. If God calls, Mary knew, God's called my child. You know, I know a little bit, but I don't understand all this stuff. But I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God. And then he chose a mother who would be able to release her child to God for the purpose that God had for his life. God would call them, and she would release them. That's what God wants us to do. We see nothing about Jesus' mother in the Gospels for a long, long time. From the time he was a child, we go through all of that time and then to the resurrection, the crucifixion. All in that period of time, there was a great release. Father was a carpenter. Jesus was a carpenter. All of those stories. But let me just close and give you the last one. God chose a mother who would be there with his child as long as she was needed until her death or his death. In this case, it was Jesus' death. She was there at the cross. That's where we started. It did not matter, Mom, what happens to your child. They may walk out on you, don't walk out on them. They may quit praying for you, don't quit praying for them. They may quit talking to you and calling you, but don't quit calling them. Don't quit talking to them. All of these stories that are going on today where children have so many problems growing up and so many, the, the statistics are out the chart, of, are off the chart. When we read that 25th verse, now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, his mother's sister, and Mary Magdalene, that core group, that woman and her godly lady friends were at that cross to the last moment when Jesus said it's been finished into thy hands I commend don't, don't quit on your kids don't give up on your kids I don't care what's going on 
In the penitentiaries today across the land, there will be thousands of cards go out to mothers. Thousands of cards will go out to mothers from those that are incarcerated in our penitentiaries. On Father's Day, you could put them all in a little basket. Why? Because mothers are special. There's something that God uses in a mother to communicate to her children that even when daddy walks out, mom, just have a double blessing come on you. Don't you give up on them. You say, they don't ever listen to me. Oh, yes, they do. And they've had a lot of sleepless nights because you've told them some things and they still can't get it out of their mind because they know it was true. And they know that nobody loves them like you know love them. Nine months you walk through the valley carrying that baby. At any moment, your life could have been taken right on to the time of childbirth. Don't you think that we ever forget it? It's there. Whether the, the old macho man wants to admit it or not, it is there. And no one speaks to children like their mama. Dad is authority. Dad is protect the mother. Dad is to discipline the child. But when dad walks out, don't look for another flesh and blood to be their daddy. There's only one daddy and one mama, but there's one dad in heaven, our heavenly father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God takes over. But God needs mama. Always. There's none like her. Come back on Father's Day. Check the crowd. You'll see what I'm talking about. Daddy say, son, why don't you go to church with me? Why don't you jump in the lake? <laughs> You'll be there in the boat, so just jump. But when mama calls, yes, mama. Yes, mama. My, my mama said, I'm going to whip you. She couldn't hurt me near like my daddy, but I didn't want her spanking on me. I loved her too much. I broke her heart. Mary was the kind of mom that stuck it out. And she was the first one at the resurrection. Just hold on. It's sweeter as the days go by. You'll never look back and say, I wish I wouldn't spend so much time with my kids. I wish I'd have just gotten away from the house and left them a long time ago and just ate, drank, and be merry. You say, I just thank God. And I can see it all over those mama's faces. I remember Earl Campbell and his mama, whenever he made it big with the Houston Oilers, the first thing that guy did was... He gave Rolex watches to, the, to his offensive lineman, knocked those big holes he could run through. But the next thing was, he was up in Tyler, Texas, giving his mama a brand new house and right out of his bonus money to sign. That's what mamas are about. Nobody's like you. You're one of a kind. But look at Mary. She's worth emulating. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.